Okay, welcome to the podcast. Brian's here with his co-host, Lenny, Lenny DeFranco. DeFranco. There he is, Lenny DeFranco. And his temporary co-host. Temporary co-host and guest and transportation ex- expert, Ayanthi Gunawardana. Great and to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for showing up to the uh, Park Slope Mansion. Um, tell us about what your job is. Okay, so I work for the New York City Department of Transportation. And um, the TLDR of my job is that I analyze crash data to see where the most dangerous streets in New York are and how we should redesign them. Which is the most dangerous street right now? So the one that always comes up is Queens Boulevard. Interesting. Well, it's like one of the longest ones, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, So one of the main things that makes a street dangerous, um, wider streets are generally dangerous because one, you have more exposure when you cross the street. And wider streets generally have a higher speed limit. Interesting. So Queens Boulevard, and there's a lot of traffic accidents or traffic and pedestrian accidents or both? So um, all the crashes, crashes car on car, car on pedestrian, right. car on bicyclist. Yeah. yeah. That's it's what I'm into. <laughs> car on bicyclist. That's what I go and search for when I'm feeling well, down. You ever, you ever hear that famous joke about it? It's like when you're, when you're a driver, you're like so furious by pedestrians and when you're a pedestrian you're so infuriated by cars but no matter yeah. what you are you're so infuriated by cyclists <laughs> <laughs> the snowboarders of the road yeah. the snowboarders of the road yeah. yeah and like they're it's interesting that there's a pedestrians fear bicyclists much more than they do drivers when like I think there's only been two fatalities where a bicyclist hit a pedestrian and I feel but like the fatality on that side would be probably on the cycle. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe the pedestrian. Because they would fly yeah. further. Yeah, if, they, if, like, if they got into an accident, I don't know. If, Can humans die from being hit by bicycles? Yeah, I think, it, like, especially if you get hit and, like, your head cracks the pavement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah like, that true. would be the... Yeah. Um, well, I have a theory that the thing that makes any kind of traffic navigation difficult is when you're moving at slightly different speeds. <laughs> so, dealing, like, a human dealing with a car... Um, is such a vastly different. I mean, and also like the roads, as we were, we were talking about before, the roads are optimized to separate humans and cars, where they're not really sep- optimized to separate humans and bikes, or bikes from cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, and bikes are moving kind of in in between speed, so that's why I think that there's more. Yeah, yeah and it, well, it's interesting. I mean, that could open up a lo- large conversation in countries, particularly in Northern Europe, where they've they've separated both pedestrians, cars, and bikes from each other pretty well, and they, it seems to work. I think people <laughs> both take to those modes of transportation, all those modes of transportation. If you want to see people get really angry at a public meeting, tell them you're putting in a protected bike lane. Yeah. like Chuck- People get very possessive over bike lanes and parking spaces. Yeah. Yeah, what the hell? Why do people hate bicyclists so much, the idea of it? I don't... I feel like people... I've heard... Not, like... Personally, but I feel like I've seen comments at public meetings where this people will be like, "This is in Europe, blah blah blah." blah you know, yeah. we're dumber here. Don't yeah, we yeah. Like, it is. Well, you know, yes, I, you know who was super against the most famous bike lane right a block away from this apartment, the one on Prospect Park. Robert West. Kennedy Jr. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> it's a currently serving uh, United States senator. And you, the, Chuck no, Schumer. Chuck Schumer. Did you yeah. know that I watched Chuck Schumer walk past me on the street the other day? I was on 28th Street and 7th Avenue in Manhattan, and I was standing behind this guy, and he was talking to another guy, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, shit, it's Schumer, it's Schumer. <laughs> and, and I looked, and it was lumbering towards me with a, yeah, yeah. a dead yeah. body and a dead face on top of it with Schumer. <laughs> and he had yeah. two bodyguards next to him, and he was literally, he looked like a zombie. Yeah. And the further, the closer he got, the more he looked like the, um, like if you put a basketball in a, um, 
like a a plastic shopping bag and it's like stretched out at the bottom. That's what his face looked like. And he kind of made eye contact with me with his like fake SNL wig hair. And he walked past me and I was like, shit, Schumer. And um, one of the bodyguards gave me a look like, don't even fucking think about saying anything. (laughs) And so he just walked right past me and then I turned to see where he was going and it was into a Walgreens. Yeah, <laughs> um, just wanted some monster energy. Drink. Yeah, he he was super against um, the 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 dedicated bike lane and on, on Prospect Park West, which is funny because this na- Prospect Park notoriously like a neighborhood that is like it's going to be the most bike friendly neighborhood in in New York, or it should be probably. Um, but yeah, he was against it, um, and it caused a lot of meetings because he I think it had something to do with he owns property on Prospect Park West, and a lot of people that were on Prospect Park West didn't want a dedicated bike lane. But it is kind of funny if you go see the old pictures, like Prospect Park West itself was not not as big as Queens Boulevard, but it had like an extra lane in it. Like it, it really like had a lot of extra. Traffic flow is fine there too. Yeah, uh, mostly, except on, like, I mean, for me it does generally, but like it depends on the time of the day you go. And also anytime that there's like any kind of public event happening, like if they, they shut down one of the streets, it results in extra traffic, but you shouldn't be driving around there. So th- that brings us to the, one of the first main questions I want to ask you. Do you think that New York City is safe for bicyclists? I mean, as far as cities in the U.S., it's safe, but I don't think it's safe. I agree. Why Why do you say not? Because um, just because I think drivers still regard bicyclists as an annoyance. So people will, like, park in the bike lane. They won't think much of it if, like, there's a bicyclist next to them. And we don't have a continuous bike lane network because it's so hard to push those lanes through to get community buy-in that you'll have a lane that maybe goes... I don't know, like six blocks, and then it stops, and you're like, okay, so now I'm on the road, yeah. and that you know. I mean, the the one I just referred to is probably one of the longest, which is just uh, continuously along uh, along all the parks, which makes sense, like along Central Park, yeah. along uh, Prospect Park, you can you can get that kind of dedicated bike lane, mm-hmm. and continue, but then the the second you're off like those that only last for at best a mile you know it, it that's at the longest stretches like i mean central park is probably a little bit longer but um but yeah you, that's a that's a good point then you're just like right back into traffic and then you know there's people parking their cars there's people that are like opening their car ways it's not like the highways that i was describing earlier yeah the, the bike highways that exist in like the netherlands or like denmark or that kind of stuff which is kind of impressive that I mean, that's if anything, that's also an argument. Like you're saying, these people at town hall meetings, up to all the way to the level of H- U.S. Senate Minority Leader, <laughs> that are com- they're like, oh, we, we can't just sustain this. Um, it's like if they can sustain it in Northern Europe, where it's yeah. much colder, like the, then <laughs> New York City could definitely probably expand uh, access to bikes. I don't know. And uh, just like making, I think a cultural shift needs yeah. to happen. That like biking is not for hipsters or deliver just for like hipsters or delivery people that yeah. like anyone can and should get on a bike and bike safely and feel yeah. safe one thing that surprised me though so i was in japan in july for two and a half weeks and in japan none of the bike lanes are protected they're just hmm. um you just have like the stripe on the ground it's like extremely narrow and you have the bike the stamp on the ground and it's incredible because cars yield to bicyclists bicyclists yield to pedestrians like everyone just yields to each other because they all strongly believe that like bicycling's okay because it's a culture (laughs) of politeness yes it was like it was like watching a sociology experiment in action like if i came close to a bicyclist they would just go out of the way that's an unreal. Because I, I, like, I feel like that, yeah. that's another thing. But in in New York, though, there there is also an adversity. Not only mostly against cars <laughs> to cyclists, but in the reverse too. I mean, technically in Prospect Park West, where you're supposed to 
bike, cyclists are supposed to yield to, to pedestrians no matter what. Like if I'm entering yeah. that, like it doesn't matter if I have the light or anything like that, they should yield. But there are a bunch of guys who have clearly spent way too much money. Park Slope dudes who have spent 10 grand on a bike and they've got, <laughs> the, and they've got like the whole, the outfit. You know what I mean? Like they had like the, the spandex. The spandex. The yeah. The, those guys are no hyperbole here. The worst people on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> they set speed records at Prospect Park. Yeah, like they the, do, and they well, also just, today. They also just they're dudes that are just like imagine the most like the guy who's just like so mad and on the borderline of retiring and just like realized he had like waste, <laughs> wasted most of his life and so had to like crank it into a really expensive hobby and then like the second you even take a step into the bike lane they start yelling at you and it's like dude. I don't care. I I do not care about you. Actually, I mean, well, no, it, it's it, it's dangerous to be in the way of those guys. I mean, I think it's kind of crazy that they're even allowed to go that fast in Prospect Park. Yeah, like the same way that um, a lot of like urbanists feel that they hate cars because car, like it's, this is this place is for people, not for cars. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about the park and bikes. Like using a bike for transportation is obviously green and intelligent and healthy, but. Mm-hmm. Like just to set speed records in a place where there's a lot of kids running around, I never really mm-hmm. understood the the logic of allowing that. I understand biking. The speed record, I agree with, but at least when I was like growing up, the only place I would bike is the park because I knew there were no cars huh. and I couldn't get interesting hit. And like if you were on like the road right. or like the path and not on the grass, you probably weren't gonna come across a pedestrian. Or if a kid right. ran, you would be able to easily stop, and you're not swerving out of the way of a car. Right. That's fair enough. I mean, I think maybe this is just an example. Of I didn't like know how, about that speed record thing, though. Oh, in in Prospect Park, I actually would even go so far as to call it problematic. Like it is, you're, there, there are marauding like flocks of these V formation, professionally outfitted riders, is, 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 who's Brian's talking about, who are in all aerodynamic shit. And they're going like forty miles an hour, fifty miles an hour, probably faster. Well, they've been emboldened by the now that there's no traffic in Prospect Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how did you come into this? And like, what did you find interesting about the? Did you just love like Faces of Death movies? And you're like, I want to look. <laughs> or how'd you, how'd you become such an urbanist? <laughs> so, um, Red Asphalt. That's the movie we used to have to watch in uh, about traffic accidents. <laughs> it uh, it all started when I was in college. Um, I went to college in Atlanta, a school called Emory. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I was coming from New Jersey. I grew up in New York and New Jersey my whole life. And I was like, okay, Atlanta's a major city. I'm sure the public transportation is fine. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Atlanta's rail system called MARTA on a map. Yeah. Um, there's a north-south line and an east-west line and a bunch of buses. And the traffic's so bad that, like, relying on the bus, at least when I was there, was difficult. I think it's gotten worse. And it's it? probably only yeah. gotten worse. Um and I remember thinking, I was like, wow, why, why is the transportation in Atlanta so bad? Like, this is a major American city. And I just started reading more and more about it. And like, um, like a lot of things in America, it came back to racism. People, <laughs> the people wanted, yeah. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> they wanted to keep the black, na- the white neighborhoods white and the black neighborhoods black. So they made crappy public transit because of that. And you'll even notice in Atlanta, there are streets that change names as you drive down them because you didn't want a white person didn't want to say they lived on the same street as a black person. And like to this day, like I remember being there and like you would cross over where the name changed and it's such a stark difference. Like who lives where? Yeah. That is so fascinating. And I actually, I have had direct experience with that because we had a family that lived in, um, 
Is, is Roswell, Georgia a place? That's like yeah, Roswell's a place. Yeah. <laughs> was like, not Roswell, New Mexico. Not the cool one. Uh, the, the, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah the Roswell, place where my uh, Colombian family thought they were rednecks and um, <laughs> adopted redneck uh, politics. But um, yeah, no, they, uh, they lived on like uh, Pelican Drive, which was very different from Pelican Street. And I think they were next to each other. And it sounds like what you're talking about. Well, it's even like the Chris Rock bit about it's like you ever been in the part of town about it turns into Martin Luther King, King Boulevard, Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah, like that, that that famous bit. But yeah, well, we have that at Frederick Douglass Boulevard. Uh, actually, I guess that's Martin true, Luther we do. King, we yeah, which is State Avenue. Yeah, yeah. yeah but um, well, in 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 I know that in uh, like mostly conservative places, they're also very inimical to public transportation. Do you think that the fact that George is conservative, obviously, oh my God, the, yeah. the redlining aspect of it, you know, but like. Even if it was just all white people, I think they might have been opposed to public transit. Yeah, it's just very... People in America associate public transportation as either socialism or for poor people. Because <laughs> we're a very individ, individualistic society. Like The idea of like you're on a car and you can go wherever you want as long as there are a road and you're just you by yourself and you don't have to listen to anyone else. I feel like that's, that, what, that is what makes cars so quintessentially... American. I would I would also say that like the the history of if you the only places where public transit does work are the older cities of America because they were kind of they kind of were founded at times when uh like before the car the ubiquity of the car yeah. yeah so they had to they had to figure out a they just had to figure out a solution at a time and then like you know at, in the post World War the cities that really grew up post World mm-hmm. War Two that's where it really the car blew up from a combination of Federal sub federal Fe- subsidizing subsidi- home loans and right, subsidizing exactly. the highway system exactly and uh, home loans highway system and um, I mean and the racial uh, undertones that also guided that era too I'd say which I have to refer yeah. to yeah and yeah. it's kind of funny because I feel like you know Republicans and generally more like free market types think of cars as like free market freedom whatever you want to call it but like you know. They're there because we subsidize home loans, because we subsidize the roads, and because we subsidize house. Like which you know, we, we free, subsidized which, everything that makes what, it what, what it is. What is that, that story? I'm not sure I'm familiar with that. Like that sequence of events. So post World War II, to you know get to get everything back back in action, for lack of a better phrase, they the federal government started subsidizing home loans, um, and you know the federal highway system was around that time. Um, so, you know, you're built, you can build out much more now. So you right. had white flight, people were leaving uh, cities to go to the suburbs because of urban blight. And you had all these, they called them Levitt towns. I think yeah. Levitt, the original Levitt town is in Long Island. Yeah. I there's think. the one yeah. in Le- and there's two Levitt towns, two famous ones are the one in Long mm-hmm. Island, the one outside of Philadelphia too. Yeah. Um, so they built these sort of, you know, the house, the picket fence, the backyard, the front yard, all that stuff that became like this is what the American dream is like. This right. is what you should aspire to have: the space, this privacy. Right. And do you think that that was because of the invention of the car that they they were able to start building out further places? Oh yeah, for sure. That and the highway system. And one of the especially bad things about the highway system is that they, uh, you know, plowed through a lot of, you know, old and historically minority neighborhoods to create these highways because they're like whatever. This is for the yeah. This is progress. This is action. progress. Like yeah. someone's got to lose. Is it? Is it not? Yeah. And <laughs> simultaneously, uh, they well, they did that while also. I mean, I would say it's not, given that a we're hurtling towards a climate crisis that is like p- partially yeah. driven by the way our our 
Uh, but that's well, that's the way the cars operate. But the fact of cars is not. Well, like, I would also just say that I mean, it's kind of you know, I mean, look at the resurgence of cities in our generation. I would say because it's people have realized that hey, maybe living out there's certainly benefits to living in a suburb. I grew grew up in one. Um, and Same. Yeah, yeah, and it was look, I I had a. a uh, nice life, but I also currently live in a <laughs> urban area, and there's certain benefits to the urban areas that I'd say that, like, you know, maybe people are a little bit less isolated. They're more in touch with like culture and a, commu- a local community. I mean, like suburbs remove people fr- from community. You're not right. forced to right. interact with people. That's, right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so this is a this is definitely a point worth dwelling on because this is one of the when I think about urbanism and sort of the movement that I think that it, that has uh, it's has been made out of it recently. The, the sort of backlash against cars is definitely one that comes to mind primarily. Like, just out of curiosity, how do you feel about cars and, like, a city or space being designed for cars? I mean, I think it, it takes away a lot of what makes a community a community. You know, just even the safety of being able to go outside and walk to your, na- walk to your neighbor's house or take a 10-minute walk to your friend's house and not be afraid of being hit by a car is, like, I don't know, that would be nice, right? Like, right. I feel like we prioritize cars over people and there's no doubt like the conven the convenience of a car right like if you look on google maps and you look at if, especially if you're in the suburbs like the bus route driving walking like the car is always fastest but there's a trade-off with yeah. that and i think it's broken up a lot of communities yeah i mean the, you can't you, if, if nothing else even if you're walking outside you have to stay within your neighborhood like let's say even i lived on a, in a community that was like off of a main road but i lo- was on a lot of back roads where there wasn't a lot of traffic but still it's like well you can't get beyond that place it's the same reason why people in la are like well we don't walk anywhere we drive everywhere it's like well because that the city was entirely planned in a way that you had to drive everywhere and there are some um, places where the sidewalk is not continuous i remember being in atlanta and like you just you, just you just see the sidewalk it you, ends and you literally found where the sidewalk yeah, ends. there are so many places where you just walk and the sidewalk ends and sometimes you can cross and there's sidewalk there and you keep doing this weird zigzag but sometimes you're just like well here i am yeah and it's all yeah i mean like the, if we talk about jane jacobs the most famous urbanist of our time who was like you know talked about oh yeah or like of the time that she went up against robert moses and and talked about how running a highway through Greenwich Village was a bad idea for multiple reasons. But, I mean, her theories about how the Greenwich Village was uniquely designed in a great urban space because its roads weren't gridded. It provided for this, like, kind of almost uh, pastoral way where you could, like, walk through and be, like, surprised by things in your neighborhood. And also, you had eyes on the street. Like, there's uh, people in your neighborhood, new people that, like, look around. I mean, Park Slope's a similar way. Like, I know... I see, this is like a very, for a New York City neighborhood, is weirdly friendly. I know a lot of, I've lived here a long time. I know a lot of my neighbors, which is like people talk about living in New York. They're like, I don't even know the person who lives in the apartment next to me, but I, I kind of don't have that experience here. The, these are all charming things. Yeah. I think that the fact that now, the, I mean, I, I think I followed at some point a bunch of urbanists because I used to be really good friends with one and uh, he like did a dissertation and now I just see a bunch of urbanist Twitter mm-hmm. and they all hate cars and they all think the cars are inherently reactionary. And I always view it as really naive because, yes, it acts, incidental encounters are nice, but, like, so is having space. And I choose to live in a city, but plenty of people don't. And uh, while I don't think that I'm glad that I, I was just walking down Canal Street to get here and I was telling Brian, like, at least it's not a highway because <laughs> we were going to have this conversation. But, yes, it, I'm, like, breaking up, uh, you know, some of the eminent domain stuff and what it would do to a neighborhood is not necessarily good. But at the same time, this is a country that had an exploding population. 
um, and enough money to go around that people could start to demand, you know, like th- to live in a little bit more of like a space that was your own and bigger and have a yard and stuff. I mean, I don't have a yard, and if I lived in a suburb, I would. And so if I really wanted to prioritize that, you know, I could easily make a humanistic, really quaint argument for why being able to, you know, because I love gardening so much, I need to have a car to be able to get to the spot where I can afford to have a garden. I, I just... Well, I, I was going to say, like, I want to give Anthea a chance to respond first, <laughs> but I also added a thought on that. But I don't, did you have something to say? Uh, well, I think, I think there's a balance, too, right? There are some suburbs where, like, you... You could, in theory, like, if you, you could bike around, like, there things are in a proximity where you could at least bike. I think over half, it's something like over half of trips, probably even close to, like, 80% are under five miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, if I could do a bunch of stuff on a bike in a semi-suburban neighborhood, I would be okay with that. Right. But what if you're, but, like, carting kids around? I mean, or, like, having groceries. Like, that biking is fun, but, but we, we live in a world in which biking is possible, I would, but I, also you don't have to because it, cars exist. I would contest that. The the possibility... Well, I think, actually, your argument is, is kind of wrong for a lot of reasons. Then I think you could have still a densely... Maybe not as densely populated as in New York or San Francisco <laughs> or, like, downtown Chicago. Like a medium density. Right, a medium density city that would still have a functioning public transit, a walkable place to a main street. I mean, like, honestly, you know where's a good example of this is Celebration Florida, like the company town <laughs> for Disney. I'm not kidding. It's like it's like Walt Disney for all like the I think bad... City Lab has an article on this about oh, how really? yeah. yeah. Like like for all the faults you have with the Disney Corporation and <laughs> the like Walt Disney as a person or whatever, like one of the things that he was like kind of a forward thinking person about was urban Nazism. design. <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually not true. Actually, too, I looked into really? that. Like, yeah, it's like he, like I don't know that. I don't. I'm not well researched enough about okay. that. But I just think that that is kind of a thing that like became a meme, and it's like okay. not really true. Um, but like the thing that he was like when he was designing Disney World was like he lamented in at the time of that design that like Main Street USA was him like going back to the early 20th century America and saying like hey, this used to be a common space for people to gather, uh, a common commercial space that was walkable, and you'd see your neighbors, not necessarily in a highly, like, crazy city like New York City or Boston or Philadelphia, but, like, in a small town that would still that still had an urban center and that was still able to be accessed via, like, the normal person as opposed to you go in your car, you go off into a small space, you go into a, a parking lot. I mean, anytime... I challenge anyone, Lenny, as you defend the car, just go drive to a suburban mall, like Walmart, like parking lot, and like not be forced into an existential crisis. <laughs> but that's not, okay, but that's like, not. There's absolutely no way that being on the subway is not more of a like feeling like you're part of a cattle call. If it were probably less densely densely populated, would you not feel that way? But how is it? Go- I mean, the, uh, my my only point, the only point that I'm arguing, and the the only point I'm arguing is that I I think that it's very um, privileged p- place to be able to criticize the car because if we y- it's just overlooking like how m- fucking easy it is to live when you have a car when there's access to cars when cars mm-hmm. can deliver stuff when trucks can deliver stuff um, like it, it makes it, it it clears out the rest of the country so the people who want to live in cities can like ev- I feel like even people in the suburbs won't even car like even carpooling i feel like people think it's annoying right like oh why do i have to like pick this other person up blah blah blah. i feel like people are so used to like that mindset of like this is my space my car i'm going from point a to point b and no one's going to stop me and like everything else is an inconvenience i feel like the car is almost a manifestation that i'm not a person who's like 
you know, ban all cars, yeah, whatever. But I think I mean, we I own, need, we I need own to a car. Re- yeah. <laughs> like I think I feel like we just need to reassess our relationship with them and like the reality of you know however many hundred million cars are in the United States. And I think it's something like forty percent of our transportation right. is forty percent of our uh, global our green or our greenhouse gas emission. Yeah. So that's, which is huge. And yeah. so that's going to need to change. I mean, not, not only in considering how to power them, but I think the other thing, well, but why would, why would not powering them differently solve that entirely? Well, well the, there's still the issue. Well, there's still an issue of uh, congestion mm-hmm. and on um, the safe, the safety part. Yeah, like, that's true. Um, I mean, I feel like I don't see kids out playing now as much just because of computers and video games. Yeah. But also like, I think there's a safety component to that as well. So let's follow that thread. So because because that this is what you study, like you're you're mm-hmm. dealing. So you're dealing with like traffic accidents all the time as a matter yeah. of life. Does it bum you out to have to deal with all that stuff all the time? It do, especially when we have to read through the fatality reports, which tells you in great detail like how this person was hit and if they oh, were drowned. Oh, it's yeah. like that's morbid. Yeah, yeah, it's very. It gets very. I if I read fatality reports. Like, there are some days where we have to manually check stuff, so you'll read, like, 20, 30, 40 report, like, detailed descriptions of how someone was killed yeah, by uh, a car or a truck hitting them. I go home, and I watch, like, Hey Arnold, The Golden Girls, <laughs> whatever. Just like, hey Arnold, a pan to urban living. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Do they give you therapy uh, classes in um, urbanism school? <laughs> they do not. But um, we get emails from the city all the time about, like, you know, mental health awareness. If you feel stressed, go. You can contact this number. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, so I guess, I mean, to safety points, too, it's like, I mean, reading about all those fatalities, I mean, are, don't traffic accidents account for a huge amount of, like, premature fatalities in America? Like, yeah. Probably, yeah like, I think it's in the top five. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, so it's and not I safe. think we see, I think a lot of people see traffic fatalities as, you know, you know, it comes with the territory. Like yeah. it, ha- it happens sometimes. And I feel like people don't even really take drunk drive, like the idea of drunk driving as being dangerous as seriously. I think it's changing more now. Yeah. But even my mom said growing up, like people didn't people think just it, did it. People just did it yeah, all the time. Yeah, there wasn't even like, it was like, yeah, that's how you get home. Like that was yeah. just like, the, yeah. that was in the, that's si- still the way you get home in New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, no, in New Orleans, New Orleans is another old city, but they don't, they have the trolley car. I don't know. We were recently there. No, people drunk drive all the time in New Orleans. Probably. Like, I mean, they do. I mean, Louisiana is one of those states where you I've can, heard like, Miami. Can, there's a lot of drunk driving. I think that most places yeah. in the country that don't have, that aren't New York or, you know, they, there's a lot of that. Well, I think even in Chicago, there's a lot of drunk driving. Yeah. So the, the, the human cost, I think is definitely something to bring up <laughs> as well. But I mean, like, I think it's also, I think what you're back to your point though, Lenny, about how it's like. I'm not. I'm also not saying that we can't not have cars, but like the priority should be probably making it safer and be design the cities so that we're mo- using those cars efficiently and better, so that like it spends. I think it's like ninety five percent of the time, the car is parked somewhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right now, like exactly. Or I just which of course might be changing if we have autonomous vehicles. Uh, along I, with the safety. I equation. am. I am not. I'm. I'm buying. I'm selling on autonomous vehicles. <laughs> I, I think they're very far from that actually being a reality in the current context of of our transportation infrastructure. Maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I just really don't. I think all the hype around, from what I've read, and all the hype that like Uber and Google put into their autonomous vehicles is showing to be like uh, it was a little bit of smoke and mirror show. Aren't they already safer than human drivers? 
I think that 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 is another that's like a cherry pick stat that comes from certain things where they said that like it, there's also such a small sample right. of trips that are done by an autonomous vehicle. Yeah. And um, you're going to I think you'll come into a lot of ethical issues when we start programming them. So you'll say like, mm-hmm. you know, you're driving down the street. If there's a dog and an old lady and you right. have to hit one of them, right. which one are you going to hit? Yeah. That's what but, our, human, but, the, but the fallacy is that there, that ethical decision is not being made, you know, uh, in a irresponsible way to begin with, you know, or fallaciously to begin with. Yeah, but then who's? But the point is, it, we already adjudicate that on like whose fault, like man's, it, like, whose fault it is. So is it the computer's fault? Is the manufacturer of the of Tesla like responsible for that? Like well, that decision well, yeah, to hit like the old the, lady or the, the dog? Someone, the fact yeah. that these are are complicated questions does not negate the fact that the technology is capable of doing it, and also that we would be better off because it would be safer than humans. Yeah, but I'm saying I. I'm saying that it's not. Our, I'm saying it's not safer. I'm saying that there's a small sample size. I think a lot of the Uber and as Google of now, are, but I mean, how can you say that like in 30 years you don't think that the technology and also if it's a connected be if it's a connected vehicle system where like all the cars can sense each other, yeah. I think there's a huge ethical concern. Like if someone hacks that system, yeah, like right. I feel like it, there could be a terrorist attack that which, someone so that's hacking a security concern, which, which is, is different. A massive, we all end up yeah. with these things. We're, we're calling that a classic Fast and Furious Seven issue. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> if you remember Vin Diesel and the crew. They, they, and then some Russian guys, I don't really remember portions of the movie, but they definitely hacked into the network of cars and crashed a bunch of them. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm buying on that, too. That, that, you're right. That, like, that is like, just over-networking computers. I think <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, it's coming whether we like it or not. But um, There you go. I, don't, like, I think one thing that really grinds my gears about people <laughs> in tech is that, or like people in that space of tech, is that they think autonomous cars will solve all our transportation problems. And it's like, no, you're still going to have congestion. You're still going to have pollution. You know, you're right. still going to, there still will be definitely less accidents, maybe, hopefully, but there will still be accidents. And it'll, it might even drive us, like, pun intended, <laughs> drive us for, like, it may continue the pattern of sprawl that yeah. we currently have. Sprawl and isolation, and yeah. like I think it's that kind Wait, of. Wait, so which is the issue: congestion or isolation? You can well, be con- isolated. You're isolated in congestion in that way, but, and also hold on. The, the, the thing that my uh, my I'm point not buying it. Okay, well, my <laughs> other point is that about you. We act like this is an inevitability, and like, as opposed to like that's what certainly tech utopianists like like to say, mm-hmm. or in the case of like in the 40s and 50s with subsidizing. Subsidizing suburbs and highway infrastructure mm-hmm. and ramming highways through historic neighbor neighborhoods um, and impoverishing communities along those routes, uh, w- that wasn't an inevitability. Like there was there was an opportunity to design it to design something better and design something smarter. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna legitimately, Lenny. I would invite you <laughs> to sit in the traffic that is New York City. I mean, I know you have with me on the driving Ramban. It's gotten worse in the decades since we've not driven Ramban. But driving in New York City at five o'clock on a Friday anywhere is like and justify and defend that system as a as a safe and uh, efficient way of getting somewhere. It is compared to the to compared to not having it though. That's Compar- the- you mean compared to what if we had a actual functioning mm-hmm. bullet train that went from New York to Boston? I, that I of course support well first of all to build a bullet train you're going to have to do some more eminent domain right but they, <laughs> but they I would of course support that i i support all infrastructure um i think that it's stupid that there are places that oppose it i my the only point i'm making is essentially i i think this is a case where we take for granted we are at our own peril we 
uh, dismiss the status quo. Well, we we live currently in a world in which no, it's not perfectly safe, and nothing like what is. I mean, air travel is not perfectly safe. Yeah. Which, by the way, however much um, like you know millennials that are concerned with like pollution and stuff like that mm-hmm. are taking more air travel than ever uh, to go hop for city hop. Um, the that we live in a world where people can live anywhere they want to live. If you want to live in an urban area and you want to get out to a suburban area mm-hmm. uh, to visit someone who chooses to live out there, like when I go visit Nate, uh, you know, I luckily we have the NJ Transit that allows me to go down there, but he has to drive a car around there because or else he wouldn't be able to make his life work. And so the car has enabled a lot of legitimate freedom, not in any kind of like you know, uh, imaginary way, but in a real, it, it does give agency to people. And I think that, uh, we dismiss that, uh, at, at risk of overlooking a huge element of the benefit of it. That's, that cannot be no. a controversial thing to say. Like that. Cars no, I, I'm saying I, they are useful. I have, like I said, I have a car and I, the thing is that I would, and it's, yeah, it's certainly useful for me to get to my parents' house. It's certainly like I can't take my dog, my giant dog, on the subway because like, <laughs> he's not a service dog, nor would he really like being on the subway at all uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but I, I think it's both the nature of the way those communities were designed. I think there's a way to design suburban and exurban communities that is still – you can still use a car and use that – like and still have as much open space, but without being 100% – Reliant, like even like even building. So you want like a like a Hellenic city state system where there's <laughs> just like mar- marathon is twenty six miles away from Athens and. No, I would say like probably probably other. You can run it if you. Really I mean, want like to. if you go to other like I mean, my sister lives in Belgium and like the there you would if you're in Brussels as opposed to taking a train from like New York City to a suburban town in New Jersey, you'd go to a small town like a Morristown or something like that, and. Morristown is actually kind of a good example in New Jersey of like a place that has a downtown. It's yeah. still a suburban community, but like you can, you it's a walk. It's still a suburban community. People still have cars there, but like it's it also, would be cool if I could, if I lived in a like this suburb we're thinking of, like if at least like to work and back, I could take a shuttle or carpool or something, right. and then if I needed to, like if I was going to Costco. Then right. I would use my car. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Something like, like that. The, as much as much infrastructure as possible <laughs> should be built. I have. N- there's no reason to oppose. And that. I think that's why people just get so frustrated with it because I think it was at that moment, in particular, post World War II, where there's both the capacity, uh, industry, and space to to design a system that could have been like could have supported multiple lever- levels of that kind of infrastructure with while still having the car alongside that. As opposed to what we were talking about, where like the subsidies came in favor, car yeah. first, everything else. Let's get. It was almost get rid of like the New York City subway system. Let's right. get it, like these kind of things. Yeah. Which they, didn't they get rid of a trolley system in Brooklyn and Queens? Oh yeah, there was a very extensive streetcar network that. Mm-hmm. Which De Blasio tried to bring back. To, <laughs> no, he tried to bring oh, back to gentrified areas of, yeah, the, of the, the coast. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's why the Dodgers have their name, mm-hmm. the Trolley right. Dodgers. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things I think that I didn't realize until I started taking transit regularly to work is that it frees up that time you would be sitting behind the wheel stuck in traffic. You can now like read, you can Mm. listen to a podcast, Mm -hmm. like that stress of being behind the wheel and like, okay, like I have to switch lanes. Is there anyone in that lane? Like you're making all these little micro decisions where you're on the subway. I, I would have said a couple of years ago, I wasn't stressed, but now I, you get so many delays that that stresses you out. But like, if 
it ran smoothly. You're just sitting there. You can well, read. Well, and let's not also pretend that one stressful element of the subway, which I lovingly take every day, is <laughs> that there are other people on it. And sometimes there's like people that can be dangerous and stuff. I mean, th- th- that is not free of danger either. It's not free of or danger, but even when you're driving, load. like if there are drunk drivers, like there's danger of other people in both. The likelihood of you getting into a fatal accident when you step on a subway car versus when you step in your own car, the the percentage of you getting hurt is goes way up in the car version of this rather than the And subway. on the subway, if there is someone who's like saying something crazy, you can at the next stop at least go to the next car. We're, and also that I'm we, not live, we live in a time the subway <laughs> was really dangerous when nobody was taking it. That's like the kind of mm-hmm. like that's when truly most of the acts like when people back in the seventies and eighties people would tell their kids not to take, take the subway, subway because there would be there's higher incidence of crime. So uh, let's move on to a, a, a revel. Uh, so, Anthony, what are your feelings on this new like movement of these scooters that are somehow illegal? One, if you told me a couple years ago that the Razor scooter I was riding around my neighborhood in the early 2000s was making a comeback, I would have smacked you. Um, <laughs> and it was motorized this time. Yeah, like all of a sudden, these companies just started dropping like... Well, there's like the lime and jump ones that yeah. are not motorized, and you have Revel, which is motorized. Like, if you told me that was making a comeback, I would have not believed you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I like that people are considering it as uh, alternative modes of transportation, but I wonder how many people are just like going for a few blocks and then dropping it, or like how many people are taking it to work, or is it just like a. Yeah. I'm going to go through the neighborhood on a weekend. But so the, the, the primary dynamic of cars is the safety aspect. How, surely the primary aspect of the like the scooter like the mopeds you ride the traffic <laughs> must also be regarded as how safe are they like do you think that, that they're yeah. safe has anyone gotten accidents yet um i haven't heard of the, mo- the like the revel scooters and the mopeds they're not that common but that's also an exposure thing like there's just not a lot of them yeah. So yeah. it's not like we there's see... Only, yeah, there's a thousand in the network, and they're only in Brooklyn, Western Brooklyn and Queens. Yeah. So just for reference what we're talking about, because who knows, like, you know, just for reference what we're talking about. So a few months ago, so obviously in many American cities, there are these, like, you mentioned the, like, Razor Scooter uh, versions that it can go up to, like, what, 15 miles an hour sometimes? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're you ride them on basically the sidewalk, right? Like I think no, it depends. Illegal. I mean, they're not allowed in New York, and they've banned them yeah. from New York City and Manhattan too. But they're in Atlanta, they're in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, DC, DC. But then in New York, and specifically in Brooklyn and like the gentrified part of Southern Queens, um, they have these scooters now, which are basically, um, as you were explaining to me, like they're ba- in China. They would be like the really nice. Yeah. Also, I can talk about this. So it's like yeah. I, I've been working for Revel as a lesson specialist for the past six weeks. I'm a big fan of the Revel product. They're all new NIU. They're Chinese bikes. Uh, they're all electric. Um, they are like they were, you'd call them a moped. Um, similar similar make to what you'd say like a Vespa or an Aprilia that you see in like Italy or whatever or Thailand. Um, what are the requirements if I wanted to start riding Revel? You need a valid license, a valid and active license. Uh, with no points against your license record. If you do have points against your record, the records come under consideration. And then it's, mm. if you have, yeah, so it's like it goes through a background check process. Um, and then you'd need to either come in for a lesson, if it's just something like minor traffic violations, or if it's something that's like a major thing, then you'd, your account would probably be taken into consideration or just suspended at a time. So, like, if you have multiple accidents, multiple DUIs, that kind of stuff, yeah, like a long record of, 
of unsafe driving. But I do tell, I do instruct people because I have a motorcycle license and I do instruct people on how to ride Rebels safely. Um, and then also if people are riding without a helmet or if people are riding with like headphones in, uh, both I've seen mostly at the same time. So I got ri- riding with headphones in, uh, no helmet, and smoking a cigarette at the same time. <laughs> and I was like, uh, your account's getting suspended. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I mean, in my opinion, I'd actually like to get Ayanthi's perspective as, a, as an urbanist and as a person because I think as a... Uh, as the resident traffic expert here, because <laughs> it is there, there is certainly the element of danger, and you're the person who's riding is the most at danger. Like it's either pe- yeah. pedestrians potentially, and also like cars are actually going to be the biggest threat to also people. The same way that cars are a big threat to cyclists, cars are a big threat to the mopeds. That being said, if there's an incident of the moped accidents, there's like a lower risk of fatality. Um, that's what I've, I've like read. a moped hitting a pedestrian or yeah. a car hitting a moped. Mo- okay. mo- so in the instances of of car hitting pedestrian versus moped hitting pedestrian, that's a lower risk of yeah, fatality. for sure. Um, they and I just think that the moped is interesting because it does free up a little bit less of the congestion issue. I mean, there's a reason why they're so popular in China and Southeast Asia. And those are those are if we think New York City congestion is bad, they have about like 10 New York cities and then all like oh, all, yeah. with millions more people in them in like parts of East and South Asia. Um so it's like it it does make transportation a little bit better on that front and it is also like for me personally, I love I've always loved it. I've ridden a motorcycle in Brooklyn for a long time because the parts where public transit doesn't take you, it kind of gives you that freedom that maybe you yes. have in a suburb um, to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to go to go a trip to Red Hook is not like is, is reasonable and like the fun. utility is undeniable. How is it possibly legal? Uh, it's legal because you don't technically in New York State and certain other states, um, you don't need a motorcycle license for a vehicle that can travel above 30 miles per hour. Okay, understood. Don't you think that's a loophole? Uh, no, because I think it's that, that like I think the the intention. Well, you're riding in traffic. What on what's basically a, a well, slow Well, you have motorcycle. to understand. So by the nature of you having a license, you have to understand how traffic laws work. So With a totally different type of vehicle, though. Yeah, that's true. But like, one in which we're protected. Most transportation startups are exploiting loopholes. I would say the difference is that the good thing about the Revel scooters, as opposed to like the Bird or the Lime scooters, is those are actually resulting in way more injuries because those the access to the like the barrier to you getting like. Every kid our age had a had a razor, uh, scooter. razor scooter. So there's like, oh, you know, weapons free. I know this thing. They get on it, and then they're right in traffic, and they're either, mm-hmm. you know, or they're on, or they're drunk. They're in like party cities like Austin and that kind of stuff, and they just <laughs> eat, eat eat it on the sidewalk and like break their <laughs> break their elbow, break their knee. Like all these cities, like that, those are available in injuries go way up. Revels like it does require a lesson. We encourage a lot of people to come in for lessons. So if you want to come in. But it lessons are free. Does it require a lesson if I don't have any points? No, no it doesn't. So, so I can just take a picture of you my could, license but what I would say, face. What I, I yeah, what I would say is that what I would yes, you can. But what I would say to you is that oftentimes we find that people just self like people have I've noticed have self selected out of it and they just say I know like they, like out of a sense of self preservation are like I don't know how to ride this thing. I need it at the very least to lesson and like and they park it and say like I'm going to come in. The lessons are free. Yeah. So, so Anthony, as someone who studies traffic fatalities, <laughs> how reliable is the self selection method of of uh, road safety? I mean, I feel like that's the that's the only form of tra- like non car transportation where I feel like I've heard of people self selecting huh. because. Most people I know, like they learn to ride a bike, right? Like you learn as a kid, or I don't know, a friend teaches you if you learn when you're older. But you rarely 
hear of people taking bicycle thinking like oh biking is dangerous i'm going to take like a bike safety class yeah i've almost it's almost unheard of yeah so the self-selecting well because it makes me wonder if there were like bike safety classes available would people take them but i don't think people think of since the bicycle doesn't have a motor people don't think of it as dangerous it's like the motor part yeah it is interesting too because the, the, what I've noticed in lessons is that there is a big gap between people who have never ridden a bike and people who have because there is like certain elements of it are like riding a bike, others are not. So it's like really just like the but bridging that educational gap in it is like if they've ridden a bike, I'm like, okay, these are the elements that are like riding a bike. This is where it's not like riding a bike as opposed to starting at, at zero. And oftentimes those people kind of self select out and they just say, I, this isn't for me because they, I mean, out of. Nobody wants to. I don't think anybody want gets on these things with a death death wish. Like you know, like you don't. I mean, like the. I mean, that's true of every person who ever enters a vehicle, drunk, sober. Nobody wants to die. That's true, but there's no. It like, feels like more of a reality, I guess, with the when you're on a motorcycle because you're it's motorized and it's exposed. Like yeah. I feel like people feel safe in the car because it's motorized, but like you're covered. There are these airbags. Mm-hmm. You have to br- like you can brake easily. You were probably taught from a younger because of American culture. You're probably taught from a younger age yeah. how, to, how to ride a car. What is your What is your take on rebels like in general? Um, I feel like it's still so new. Like I've seen a, I haven't even seen that many around. I mean, it really I, depends and I didn't. And, you're in. and yeah. until you told me today, I didn't know that you had to take a class. You don't. And you I, don't have to. Or but, but like, it, it, but yeah. the fact that it, people are saying like, oh, this could be dangerous. Yeah. Like I, I would like to. I'll take this class and. I don't know. I think I feel like it's a good addition as long as people are safe. Like I think any alternative mode of transportation, as long as it's safe and like eases up congestion, is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> and it ke- and it's um they're parked in the street, right? Yeah. So that's another thing. Like there are people when you get the the jump or the line or whatever it is. They'll just throw them on the sidewalk. Yeah, they just turn into eyesores. Like yeah, imagine if you're in a wheelchair yeah. and you're trying to go down the sidewalk and you've got these scooters and the like. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, it it does. Th- those like I I that's why I also do not care for the burden lime scooters. And there's certainly people that have parked their cars, uh, their, their rebels illegally, and I lose my mind about it because I'm like, look, man, this is this has to go well. Everyone has to behave on this. The bad behaviors are sort of priced. Right, exactly. Like you face consequences for your bad behavior. Exactly. And that, I mean, that certainly people have found that out the hard way when they like uh, like ride one on the sidewalk and then the police... That is dangerous, you know? And like, because especially when you're on the sidewalk, you only expect people to walk on it barring an accident. So you're not even prepared for this, like someone who's going significantly faster than you on this space. The one... I finally, the one time I lost it at a bicyclist, they were on the sidewalk and they came so close to hitting me. And I never, I'm not confrontational <laughs> in public with people I don't know. But I said, can I curse or not? No, oh, yeah, you can yeah. curse. I was yeah. like, you're not supposed to fucking ride on the sidewalk. <laughs> and, I, and he nice. turns around and he goes, you're not supposed to fucking ride uh, on the sidewalk. <laughs> Damn. And I was like, Dude. I was not going to continue this debate, yeah, yeah. but I was like... Good for you though. I agree. <laughs> it's just like the like way to take the high road, which we unfortunately don't have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, they shouldn't. I don't understand why people ride bikes on the sidewalk. It feels like it, it's just inviting disaster. I, yeah. the I mean, argument, it's, it's safer for them. I mean, that's that's the argument that if there's no bike lane or bike infrastructure, then they'll ride on the sidewalk. Yeah. But then it's like, either way, you're putting someone like either the bicyclist at risk or the pedestrian. Yeah, yeah. is at risk, and it's like. Well, yeah, or both. Yeah, or both. Yeah. yeah, which is the reality, and it's just dumb. But um, anything, I do you have anything to plug? 
Nah. Anything to plug? Um, one book I would suggest. Uh, so there are two books I would suggest people read if you want to know about like New York City and its transportation history a little bit um, and how we shifted uh, all about genetic Gandhi has a book called Street Fight. Oh, cool. Which is, you yeah. know, the fight to reclaim New York City streets and it talks a lot about her work. And um, there's a book I'm reading right now, so I can't say it's good yet. Okay. <laughs> but I'm I'm in the process of reading it and it's really good so far. It's called uh, Super Pumped by Mike Isaac. Oh yeah, yeah well, I've heard about this book. Oh, you've yeah, heard yeah. about this? No, okay. yeah, like I just yeah. I read an interview with the, the author recently. Yeah. I yes. heard him on a podcast. So I went to a book talk and signing by him on Friday and I mean I'm only like thirty pages into this book, but it's incredible. And I think if you're interested in technology and the effects it has on our society you absolutely have to read this book and startup culture in general. Um, great. Well, thank, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really no, appreciate it. This is um, super fun. I'm so happy that like we used to, I mean, we, I've known you for a while, but we I only see you generally at professional events. So it's nice to see you in, just in a of, social, in a social kind of more friendly environment as opposed to one where we have to pretend like we're a little bit more stilted and a little bit more like for sure. pro- professional. Um, cool. All right. I'll be, thanks again for coming out. Thanks uh, again. All right.